Today's TribCast is presented by Texas Appleseed. Art lovers and justice seekers, join us. 20 artists showcase posters reflecting some of the pressing justice issues of our day. Learn more at iHeartJustice.org. And Baylor University. Baylor is committed to student safety and well-being, providing leadership in prevention, response, and care for those impacted by sexual violence. Learn more at baylor.edu slash the facts. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, ah, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are and Texas guys this is State Representative Drew Springer. To answer your budget night questions, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered, and if you mess with a feral hog abatement program, you'll find yourself in the latter category with the roads a little bumpier near your house. Here's Emily Ramshaw. She doesn't know much about swine, but she sure is a step up from Evan. Now here's this week's TribCast. Thank you for that amazing introduction. Uh, this is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the second week of April. I'm joined by CEO and proud Northwestern alum, Evan Smith. Uh, I, am, I am proud, but I, I want to say that I think an entire podcast devoted to Patrick Svitek's <laughs> Tales of Youth in Northwestern would be, would, would be an amazing... I think you would be more excited by executive editor Ross Ramsey's Tales of Youth. I had no youth. Nope. Nothing to say. You. <laughs> Nothing happened, and Ross, I wasn't Ross sure what I did. Ross getting a flat tire on his bike in El Paso is much less interesting to me than Patrick. <laughs> he was at UNT. I was. Drew Springer was, too. Drew Springer was, Look, it too. all comes full circle. Yeah, he's younger than I am. Uh, he was there about 300 years after Did he ever call Patrick you fat? Speedtech. Good afternoon. Hi, Patrick. Good Thanks afternoon. for joining us. Yep. <laughs> he never called me fat to my face. Yeah, can we just talk about, I mean, that was a pretty intense intro. It was good. It was a pretty intense moment. It was he good. Call, you he, can only, you only it's only personal if you hog. take it personally. Do you know that, the, I, I think about those, those uh, legendary, legendary tales of the U.S. Senate in the 1800s when a man would strike <laughs> another man with a cane, you know. That was as close as we came, uh, you know, as we come to He that. didn't what? call him anything. He said, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. That's an old phrase. And he said he, he falls into the latter category. So he just called Stickland a hog headed for no, the slaughter. I think Emily Ramshaw did. <laughs> No. Listen to it again. You ought to invite Stickland on this right. tripcast to review it. He's going to have to do the intro next we pause week to while respond. They rewind and listen to it again. Uh, all right. So why doesn't someone fill us in on exactly why we're getting an intro like this and what this fight was over? Because the conservatives in the House got split on an amendment. Uh, Stickland put up an amendment that uh, Springer and some others didn't like. So Springer put up an amendment to the amendment that would have stripped all the highway funding in Stickland's district. Um, the House was so happy with Stickland at that point that they voted, I think, 99 to 20. To Wait, put, happy with Springer or happy with ha Stickland? Happy with Stickland at that point that they voted 99 to 20 to take away all the highway funding in Bedford, <laughs> Texas. Stickland, right. got, Stickland got PO'd. It was the Up Yours Bedford Act of 2017. You right. know, if, it had, if, it, if anybody had led it, it would have come to blows. It was one of those... Um, Fine nights in the Texas House. And of all the things you expected to, to have the House fighting about, given the number of flaming bags, well, the thing bags that, of flame. The thing that was most interesting. That was what the fight was. The thing, you know, other than just the drama of it, the thing that was most interesting to me was, you know, there's a small caucus in the House of very conservative members, and Springer and Stickland are both usually in it. And, and if that thing's fighting inside of itself, right. they're not going to get anything done. Yeah, to but me, that was the biggest takeaway, is that these guys can't even get along in their own party. Right. And yet— 
and yet. I think that what we have seen in this session, and maybe it was not limited to this session, but it's happened over a couple sessions, but it is especially acute this session, is that the boundaries around who and what is conservative have been redrawn. I think well, that's right. You could find that in the presidential election, too. Well, but I, I think that Drew Springer came in the legislature as a very conservative, one of the most conservative members. I still Drew think Springer he is, Drew Springer is still one of the most conservative members, but Drew Springer is in a different class of conservative from some others. Or how, I mean, it's the, possible the lines have been drawn. I'm not saying right. it's less maybe conservative, more conservative. Just, it's different. Maybe these guys just sometimes right. get under each other's skin. There's, there's politics and then there's cliques. And, I, you know, they they may be in different cliques. Their so, politics so, are similar. So, uh, I think they sit at different tables in the cafeteria. I think they sit at different tables in the cafeteria. He's not a member of the, the Freedom Caucus, is he? Is he? Springer, I don't think is. I'm not aware. Yeah. If you're tuning in on Facebook, Let answer that answer that question for us, and also you can send questions our way. So I mean, it got so bad that they Tyler had to be, Norris can just look that up first and, and then text you. It got so bad that they had to be physically separated. I mean, have there been any other fights in the House or Senate? Not the Senate. There are never real fights in the Senate. Uh, there that was a like, possibility Anchia was going to take a swing at somebody about that kinship stuff earlier in the, but I don't think it actually came to blows. Has there been anything else? Has, have these this session, no. Right. When, no, when mean, can you remember? Can you tell us again? Tell us a, a great tale of Mark Stiles threatening to take. Well, you know, Mark, Mark Stiles Homer's, and Sophronia Thompson you know, took out the back mic one time, took out the back podium fighting over it. Um, like literally took Mrs. it out? Mrs. Thompson? Yeah, oh, they knocked, knocked Mrs. it over. What did Mrs. Thompson do? Thompson and Styles disagreed upon something. I don't remember what it was. Did punch him in the mustache? There was, there, was a, there was a little bit of shouldering and really? grabbing at the back podium, Man, and they I knocked it over. To, I would not mess with Ron Wilson Thompson. popped Harvey Hildebrand <laughs> one time outside of the members' lounge. Literally popped him? Literally popped him. Um, Carl Parker got in a fight with somebody on the steps of the Senate. Yeah, people people get cranky over there. It's like Ron Wilson punching who? Harvey Hildebrand. Harvey Hildebrand. That's I, I, all right. I'd watch that's that. like me and Evan on an average morning. All right, I'd watch <laughs> right. that. Yeah, yeah, that's me uh, calling <laughs> Emily at six in the morning to say often <laughs> absent is hyphenated. <laughs> you want me to hey, recount Bob. incidents here at the trip? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, let's. We switch. Have, we, nobody, and nobody has ever actually fought in the in the not since at least you left. Right. <laughs> Nobody has actually got, come to physical. Just gonna walk. I'm gonna whistle past this graveyard. <laughs> uh, all right. So she just had another baby. Yep. You know that the Hugh Styles household has gone from man on man to zone defense. That has not happened in my household, nor <laughs> any of yours. Correct. Correct. Planning, all right. Planning. <laughs> Back to politics. Okay, Ross. <laughs> Let's talk about planning. Ken Paxton. Speaking Gross. of planning, Ken Paxton is now planning to have his uh, his case go to trial. That was like in... the worst transition of all time. It's not any worse than what you guys are here talking about. I think she just probably rescued the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. Uh, he will now have his trial heard in the great city of Houston, correct? Yes, yeah, so the, the County, judge broadly. in the, the securities fraud case against him uh, last month had ruled that there would be a change of venue. If you recall, prosecutors had argued that it was needed because they believe that Paxton and his allies had, quote unquote, tainted the jury pool in Collin County, which is where he's from. And so this week, just yesterday, the judge decided to move the trial to Harris County, biggest county in the state, uh, home to Houston. Um, a county won by more than 160,000 votes by one crooked Hillary Clinton. Right, exactly. Yes. Although Ken Paxton, we'll talk about her later. Ken Paxton did win it in his mm. 2014. Ken, Ken Paxton beat campaign. a guy from Houston named Houston by 
40,000 votes. And, and yeah. Well, that's technically true. Yeah. So, so who and, does and this transition 14, rather. benefit? Question from Facebook. Well, you would think that it would benefit the prosecutors in some ways uh, on first glance, but it is true that both the lead counsel, both sides, the lead counsel on both sides are, are from Houston. Ken Paxton's lead counsel in, in this matter, uh, they're from Houston. The two special prosecutors uh, are from Houston. Um, if there is an advantage, I think people would gravitate toward the explanation that it's just not as politically friendly as a county as Collin County uh, would be. Um, and that only matters because of the jury pool. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's about right. the pool. But right. it seems the judge issued a rare statement. He doesn't issue statements to the media explaining why this was done. And he, he said what I just said, which is that lawyers from both sides are from Houston. Also, it has the facilities to accommodate uh, a trial like this. And so it seems that there was like a mutual agreement from the sides um, that Harris County may be the appropriate venue going forward. Yet, Ken Paxton, hours after this you know, new location was announced, his team filed a motion to effectively seek a new judge in the case in, in Harris County. They'd rather go with the devil they don't know. Right, exactly. But that's it's, pretty pretty yeah. severe when you say, you know, I'd rather have anybody than this judge. Right, exactly. And I think that they... Making friends, right? You know, yeah. if, the rule, if that request is denied. You know, they, right. they believe that, you know, they still maintain, I think, that if you ask them today, that the judge, uh, you know, the current judge was misled by the prosecutors uh, into moving the uh, trial out of Collin County. Uh, they believe that this, you know, fundraiser invitation that was submitted as an exhibit was misinterpreted and was used as the basis for his decision to move the trial uh, outside of Collin County. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, you know, they've been fed up with this judge um, for quite some time now. So the Dallas Morning News gets to pass this football down to the Houston Chronicle. Does anybody, yeah, it's a shame that Rosendahl's not going to be around to uh, (laughs) to stamp his little feet over this case. is this really, from the Paxton perspective, Ross, an, an election problem, a re-election uh, matter? I, I think the problem is pushing it closer and closer to it? the primary. So next March, we're going to be in a Republican primary. Paxton's up for re-election. There's a bunch of people circling, saying, well, I don't want to challenge the sitting attorney general thinking that he might not be sitting, right? And if you push the trial back, unless, it pushes it more into— in terrible political trouble, at which point yeah. more in sadness than anger. Yeah, all right, no right. right. And if you push run, him right, closer yeah. and closer to the election, you know, that's increasing his risk. I got to say, though, you know, given the cases of Matt, Jim Maddox and Kay Bailey Hutchison, if he's acquitted and, and cleared— Rick Perry. He's, and Rick Perry. He's golden. You know, he's voters, bulletproof. He's, right. Well, kind of, yeah. The establishment and, and more. Yeah, mm-hmm. if, he's, if he's still got—so he wants to end this What's and end it his way. What's the time frame on the acquittal, potentially? Like, how long does this take, likely? I, you know, I don't know. But, I mean, just to be clear for the listeners who may not know this, this was a re- <laughs> Always trying to there provide There are probably the three of them. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now Mr. I mean, Rasmussen. Uh, in, in Collin County, the trial my was originally scheduled for May 1st. <laughs> right. Now we don't have a trial date. Um, it should be determined right. soon, but it's definitely right. going to be delayed. It's I, not going to be May 1st. I also if, wonder if, you were if the other like, half of the election here, so the primary is one factor. Right. Do the Democrats, as they begin to figure out who's going to be in which starting gate for the next election cycle— are they waiting to see whether Paxton is hobbled or not? Do they decide to run uh, uh, a thoroughbred or a lame mare? Well, do him? they decide? I don't think they decide. I think a thoroughbred or a mare decides to run. Right, but uh, that's the. But I do think there's a consideration. Of that, you know, is, is is somebody significantly able and resourced going to step up potentially to run mid ballot for attorney general? Or is it going to end up being the usual department store mannequin who runs in this slot? The timing may not work. I mean, they may not know with enough lead time what the outcome or what the likelihood in Paxton is going to be. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to have to gamble on it. Part of the deal is going to be when you raise money. So if you're not in office now, you can raise money while the people who are in office are blocked from raising money. Cough, cough. Trey Martinez, Fisher, cough, cough. If you were were a Democrat or a Republican wanting to challenge him, cough, cough, Dan Branch, cough, cough. 
than you would so, start raising money now. Do you think the Jan's branch the, comes back I off the sidelines? You, know, you do? I do. And, and, is you that know, just Ross guessing, or is that's that just Ross, Ross guessing. has been on a Southwest just, flight and heard something? Ross just guessing. Okay. I think both no. of you need to go to Patrick's allergist. <laughs> but, oh, but you have a good allergist? You're going to have a primary before <laughs> the primary. We'll see. <laughs> You'll have a primary before the primary, and they're going to be raising money, and they'll be raising it some during the session some during the summer and they'll be raising on the prospect going to donors or potential donors and saying you know look at this guy and the longer he's stuck in legal trouble the better that pitch is going to sound i I come back to this not really what we're talking about but i promise i'll stay close let's see that that the whole 2018 election cycle for the democrats is going to be about the environment politically making them think correctly or incorrectly that they have a shot of winning something and the limited number of uh, dollars that are available to run a serious campaign among the Democrats being parsed out in the places where it is most likely to have an impact. And if, like, for instance, if Paxton is not, let, let me get to the end of this. The, cru- the cruise race, the cruise race is really, the cruise race is really right now the, the, the ball of wax for the Democrats on the next ballot. I don't think that's right, but go ahead. Well, why not? <laughs> because he's not the weakest. He's not the weakest horse in the herd. Yeah, but the he person. May, but he may have. Isn't the, it going to be the congressional seats? Well, but if he I'm may a Democratic have... donor, I want you running against one of the weakest Republicans. Right. And right now, that looks like Paxton Except and Miller. Except right now, or one of those congressional seats. The right. Senate race is likeliest to have one of the best abled and resourced opponents, even Democratic candidate, even if it's still a hard race to win. I actually wonder if the Democrats look – I mean, look, we had this thing happen in Kansas. You're paying attention to this as I yeah. am last night, right? The Kansas thing last night. Trump won that race by – in that district by 27 points, and yeah. he ended up and, – and the Democrat last night mm-hmm. did 20 points better in that congressional special election. It wasn't a race. What do you mean it wasn't? 27 points. Well, it wasn't previously. Right. I mean, the guy last night actually won, and Ted, Ted Cruz campaigned for the guy that day. Right. right. On Monday. But the theory is that the Democrats think that they can get back in the hunt on some of these. I wonder if the Cruz race becomes ever more for them all that matters in the 2018 cycle, assuming that the state people, even Paxton, even hobbled, that their ability to win in the fall is so limited that they say we're going to push all of our chips onto the Senate race well, square. Yeah. Well, the Senate race and those right. three congressional races are going to be so much more easily and nationalized. And the three congressional races right. are Sessions, Culberson, and, and, Hurt. and Hurt. Yeah. Right. Can I uh, head back to Ken Paxton just for a moment? <laughs> we have a couple of questions on Facebook. A yep. question from Matt. Would Harris County now have to pay for the special prosecution? You know, that's a that's a great question. Right now, the, the issue of the prosecutor's pay is tied up in a, a Dallas appeals court. Um, we're waiting on a, a ruling uh, from that ap- appeals court, whether they're going to permanently uh, hobble their pay. Basically, it's it's temporarily blocked. Um, that is that's a question I haven't honestly gotten much clar- clarity on yet. I know, though, that that issue is wrapped up in the appeals court. And then a question from Amy. How much prison time could Paxton actually serve if convicted? It's a long one, isn't it? Yeah. If, if he's convicted, he could face, I believe, the range is five to 99 I, was, I remember 99 was yeah, the outcome. Up to 99 right. years He'll never. That, sure. Even if he yeah. got convicted, that's not um, right. You know, but this is the more serious case. If right. you recall, way back when he had a federal civil case, if he was convicted in that or was found you know, guilty in that, it would have just been, I believe, 
probably fines and penalties. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been jail time or prison time. Yeah. Uh, well, also in Houston in the past week, we've had uh, Hillary Clinton. She drew a big crowd for an event um, hosted by Annie's List. She said, Patrick, that despite her, you know, obviously her general election loss in Texas, that the state was a bright spot for her. How is that possible? Yeah, she talked about the uh, margin here, you know, nine Trump. It's hot and sunny. <laughs> yeah, right. It was warmer. Trump won by only nine points. Um, if you recall, you know, the past two Republican nominees easily won by single digits. Fact, I believe it was 20 the, years since the margin was that yeah, narrow. 1996. She brought that up. She brought up the fact that she won uh, three congressional districts. The, the ones Heard, we were just Culperson talking about. And Sessions right. seats. Um, what was interesting about the speech, and it was so clearly designed to rev up Texas uh, Democrats on such a um, local and in some ways granular level, is she shouted out so many different uh, prominent Texas Democrats, individual lawmakers, activists, donors. You think she actually um, knows them or she just studied up ahead of time? Maybe, but I mean, it was interesting just as, as far as a, a piece of, of rhetoric to see her go through all these different names. She even brought up the so-called masturbation bill that we've been talking about here in Austin. Did she use the word masturbation? No, she used the, I forgot what it's called, but she used the formal title for the bill. I don't know if you want to call it formal title, but she used the, you know. She just made a hand motion. (laughs) Nice. Right. So. I got to, you know. Make that that into a gif. This this sounds like, yeah, it's already been done, I think, probably. It's the men's right to know. There we go. That's what I said. We can just all meet downstairs at the clinic and talk about (laughs) that. It sounds like a perennial popping back out of the ground. You know, how do the Democrats win this? And and the the signs aren't there. If If I'm a Republican, I want the Democrats to spend all of their money fighting Ted Cruz and Greg right. Abbott right. and avoiding the low spots in the wall. And the low spots on the wall Fast. are Paxton and Miller. And, yeah. you know, the other strategy has failed, like, you know, I think 11 times in a row now. Fast fact. She got 43.6%, I believe, in was Texas, her percentage yeah. in Texas. Um, he lost. She didn't do better. He did worse. Right. I mean, oh, I, think, yeah. I think one of the misreads, potentially, for people who mean well, pure hearts, good people— and are Democrats. The, the the misread here is that somehow she did better. He did worse. Right. I, I don't me- think that the good news for Democrats is as good or as newsy as is suggested in a speech oh, like that. Right. It doesn't yeah. mean the margin's right. going to stick at 9% or 10% or whatever it is. I mean, it's going to bounce back. Well, in a down-ballot statewide, Republicans did fine. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this forever, whether it's the congressional races or some of those state Senate and state House districts that flip so dramatically. I mean, whether the Trump right. result mm-hmm. is a, an outlier. Now, the, mid, the midterm of a first term, if the president is not popular, and we have a not popular president right now, po- more popular in Texas probably than in the rest of the country, has right. the potential for it to be good for Democrats, but the Democrats have to field good candidates. That's the first thing. I'm going to only be able to think, and I think we're all really going to only be able to think and say whether these races have the potential, Culberson and the others, to be competitive Mm -hmm. if you tell me whether the candidates who they field are actual candidates as opposed to just stand-ins, right, for actual Mm -hmm. candidates. But, you know, yeah, there'll be some stuff to watch next time. Right. And presumably the same legislative seats that were targeted by Democrats that they did not win in the last cycle. The marginal seats are the marginal seats are the marginal seats. Anderson, I mean, right Bur- the Anderson Burkett, Lozano, the yeah, kind of same Yeah, there's 11 of them. Handful. And, right. and didn't you write a story that said that 11 seats, 10 right. Senate, yeah. uh, 10 House and 1 Senate seats, yeah. like the congressional seats that were won by Republican lawmakers were also won by Clinton in right. the last election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those become a roadmap of sorts. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yep. 
Well, speaking of masturbation, we had a real. <laughs> That's it. This wow. podcast has come to an end. We Thank had a you real feel-good okay. photo this feel morning. <laughs> really? <laughs> On Twitter. Everybody, give her a hand. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> of the state's four top male elected officials and Flat Stanley, someone. Flat Stanley started with a book in the mid '60s. You're going to answer this question seriously? I, I am. I'm going to start there, just the, the way we did it on the masturbation bill. Um, it started with a book in the mid '60s, uh, and they were trying to get kids to learn to write letters, so they started mailing Flat Stanley to famous people and getting letters back. And so it's been a thing. It went around for years and years. It's been, you know, Flat Stanleys have been to the Oval Office and all over the place. Apparently, somebody out there is still mailing Flat Stanley around. Flat Stanley landed at the Texas. Capital, Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick, this is the Joe Wednesday Strauss. Wednesday breakfast. And, and most awkward Gre breakfast Glenn ever. Glenn Hager um, tweeted a picture. I guess, I guess Abbott tweeted the picture this morning of them all Together gathered around Flat Stanley. It was, it was Hager and Abbott holding Flat Stanley, and it was Strauss and Patrick holding, <laughs> holding one each another. other. <laughs> yeah, as if the other one, each as if the other one was Flat Stanley. Right, and right. Pretty <laughs> awkward I've handshake. seen more loving handshakes in divorce court. <laughs> Than that handshake I mean, between Patrick and Strauss. Yeah. Seriously. We know they are not bosom buddies. That was like the most uncomfortable handshake ever. Well, the whole picture was sort of a like, hey, folks, we're all getting along. Nothing to see here. We're having a great time keep, at camp. Keep walking. Exactly. Hey, Mom, send me a, send me money for a lanyard. What was the text? Exactly. Blink once for yes and <laughs> twice up, for no. Hold up today's newspaper. Show me where the my, bad man My captors you. are treating <laughs> me very well. <laughs> it really had that quality to it. It was like a hostage video. What was the text oh around it? God. Wasn't it something? Like, well, Abbott tweeted it, and then Dan Patrick tweeted it. Abbott said, like, uh, time, oh, it's, it's kumbaya, kumbaya time, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is him basically acknowledging that Dan Patrick and Joe <laughs> Strauss don't get along, right? Yeah, I guess if so. If you say yeah. it's or kumbaya time. some combination of them aren't all in the same. We're all getting Dan, along. Dan Patrick is self-aware enough to know that by tweeting it's kumbaya time, we're going to read that as, like, George Costanza's opposite yeah. day. Dan pa no, no, not Dan Patrick. Did Greg he tweet Abbott. it's kumbaya time? No, or did Greg Abbott, Abbott tweeted Abbott. Oh, Abbott did. Yeah, oh, he Abbott tweeted did. with okay. a photo. Abbott's aware enough to know that. It's kumbaya Abbott. time. Flat Stanley unites us all, which yes. means, again, right. we don't disagree. Winky, winky. over this 1990s-era silly school relic. <laughs> it brings them together. That's good. That's right. Whatever works, right? That's true. And no one is going to speak at the Tribune Festival after that. <laughs> Does anyone have Maybe anything else Maybe we can get Flat Stanley on mic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Keynote, opening session, Flat, flat Stanley. Stanley. A lot of panelists already are Flat Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No one's going to speak now. Oh Don't be Flat God. Stanley. <laughs> yeah. Only the panels moderated by you have Flat <laughs> Stanley on them. Go back and look. Uh, all right. Is that an Evan McMullen <laughs> knock? What were you doing? Come on. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Moving on. Uh, let's talk about Donna Dukes. Because <laughs> we haven't had enough um, entertainment already this morning. I would love to talk about Donna Dukes. May I okay. talk about Donna Dukes? Y Go yes, for please. It. Talk about, first of all, talk about the story that we have on our website. The story on our website today reports it was a, a combined Cassie Pollock, Alex Samuels, Chris Essig joint. And it analyzed record vote data thanks to the good work of the folks at recordvotes.org. Com or dot org dot com dot us. I don't know what they are. And uh, the point of this was. Nice they calculated all the record votes of all the members during this session so far and determined, or our folks determined with the help of their data, that Donna Dukes has missed the most record votes of any member of the House so far this session, more than 100. More and, than a lawmaker who was in a terrible well, the, car the lawmaker who was in the wreck was in a wreck late in the session, 
relatively speaking, to now, and so has missed a certain number of votes as a consequence of his absence. Jessica Ferraris had some illnesses and the death of her father, which kept her away. They were the next two, Mark Keogh and Jessica Ferrar. But Donna Dukes has more than 100 record votes missed, including, and she is a member of the Appropriations Committee, I believe she only took 16 of the 60... Six. Six record votes during the Appropriations Bill's debate on the House floor last Thursday. So... She even missed, according to this uh, calculation, a significant number of the record votes on the day the House budget was being debated. She was working as the cut man in Stickland's corner. And her, her ex- boxing joke, sorry. Yeah. Right, what was her explanation? Her explanation was that, and I mean, <laughs> this strikes me as a thin excuse. Um, <laughs> Peace P- Tech, the Texas Tribune. <laughs> to put it diplomatically, she said that her attendance on the, the House's budget night was more reflective of her work on the, on the Appropriations Committee, I guess, than these other votes. I guess than she, everything else? So basically... And the, said, and the record, most yeah. of my work this session has been behind the scenes in Appropriations Committee, conferring with agency heads, behind nonprofit interest groups, and meeting with On my couch. So... The record, the record vote uh, uh, category bucket includes uh, votes on bills, votes on amendments, and roll call votes. Yeah, just whenever they call for every member to be counted, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Representative Dukes was going to resign once she uh, uh, was sworn in as the uh, member representing her district in uh, the uh, first part of the year. And then she decided not to resign. And in part, she said that there was work to be done on behalf of her constituents while she was fighting the uh, legal process over the indictments that have come down. Uh, last week, uh, four of the indictments that she requested be dismissed were not dismissed. Right. right. So she proceeds and, um, you know, uh, she has had some fi- medical challenges over She had time. a car wreck uh, uh, several years ago and has had yeah. a lot of pain medication, a lot of um, issues that arose from that, and you know said that that was largely the reason why she missed so many votes and so many days in the, in the 2015 last, in the session. Representative right. Dukes has said that the entire story of what's going on with her has not been told and that she wishes to tell it. Well, well hopefully she will. Yeah. But, I mean, it seems like at a time when you are seriously under the microscope for not showing up that you would show up, right? Right. It does. I mean, that, you know, the— Especially if you are not resigning. Yeah, and if the, you know, if the argument is my voters need me there, then you should be there. Right. And if the argument is that I'm working behind the scenes, then there should be some evidence that you were working behind the scenes while those votes were being taken and thus couldn't make the votes, and that's not there. Yeah, I saw constitu- that I've seen. her constituents you know, right. tweeting at her this morning in response to the story saying, you know, right. now more than ever we need people voting on our behalf. She has, you know. she has a chair, you know, unfortunately for her, oh, geographically, boy. right in front of the press table. So you can look at it, you know, like from me to Evan here and see, huh, empty seat, huh. Right. Um, so and the story starts there. <laughs> <laughs> You're just on the, south, on the southwest, not a united seat somewhere. I am in the Donna Dukes of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd no, say I don't all, think so. I have no. been lately the Donna Dukes of this podcast. <laughs> I'm in a battle over this man. <laughs> not playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let is, let's chat for a couple minutes about a federal judge ruling for the second time that Texas lawmakers have intentionally discriminated against minority voters. They're going to get pulled back into preclearance. So this is a this is a thing that's happened in 2013. The U.S. Supreme Court dumped a list of places that included Texas that because of historical racial discrimination in election and voting laws had to get their work approved before they could put it 
into effect. So why the Texas legislature. I mean, why did they let Texas off the hook the first time? They let everybody off the hook. They cleared the list. Because they said the list was not constitutional. John Roberts right. said in his opinion that the list was 40 years old and that, um, you know, it was time to just move on. Let them free. So they struck the list and said, you know, those states no longer have to have preclearance. So now Texas can pass a law, put it into effect, and wait for the courts to knock it down rather than passing a law having to get approval either from the Justice Department or the courts before it could go into effect. The two big laws that Texas passed since then were the voter ID law and the current redistricting maps. And the two federal courts involved in those things have said that both of them involved intentional racial discrimination by the state. And you can get bailed back in, called it's called bailing in to the Voting Rights Act. If the courts look at this and say, you know, Texas is redeveloping its history of racial discrimination, they can say, you're back in the preclearance bin. We're going to start a new list. And the state's, you know, in danger of that. Well, who, are they in danger of that under a Trump administration? I mean, it seems like they might have been in more danger of under an Obama administration. It's a judicial declaration and not a Justice Department declaration. So Jeff Sessions can't say... He has nothing to do with mm -hmm. it. And in fact, if, right. if the state is thrown into preclearance, you know, one of the arguments is that, well, you know, the work that they do would go to the Justice Department Maybe. Sometimes, you know, the, the state has the option of going to the D.C. Circuit Court or to the Justice Department if they think the Justice Department's hostile. The last time the state did that was Greg Abbott, then AG, went to the D.C. Court because he thought the Obama Justice Department was. What is the material effect of this as it relates to the 2018 elections? Like? They're going to have to rewrite their voter ID law. Um, and this legislative session? Beg your pardon? This legislative session? Well, you know, either they're going to do it or the court's going to just mm -hmm. knock it down. Mm -hmm. So if they want a voter ID law, they need to pass a new one. If they want to, you know, the court hasn't ordered a remedy on the congressional or the House maps yet. So we, you know, the legislature, there's a group in the legislature trying to get the House Committee on Redistricting to meet. They haven't even met yet this session. Well, um, it's, a, it's a group and, of one, is it not largely Eric Johnson? No, it's actually a group chair? of, it's several now. Um, they say he's got others you know, so, several, allies in this. They're all, they're all Democrats, I think. Why but, has the Redistricting Committee not met? Because the court didn't order a remedy. They didn't say you've got to change it in this way and that Why way have and the committee? other way. Is it, is it a certainty that the court will, will order a remedy, or is that even uncertain? It's not a certainty. There's a, I think it's on April 25th or 26th. The court's going to have a hearing, you know, from all the parties involved. And, you know, this is going to be one of the big issues, you know, yeah. order a remedy. The other thing that's hanging out there is the court still has in its back pocket its ruling on the Texas House of Representatives districts and whether they're constitutional or not. It's so if let's say there has to be a voter ID fixed, it's April. Are there any legislative efforts afoot to do that? There are a couple of bills out. You know, there's a couple of, you know, as, as they would say over in the House and Senate, there are a couple of vehicles you could attach that to. Um you know, the complaint in court has been that there were several legally vetted, court-vetted versions of voter ID. If you just have the right number of alternatives to a driver's license or to a concealed handgun license, then you're fine. Texas ignored those. The courts found that, you know, Texas ignored those, and the effect of that was harder on minority groups than on Anglos. But hasn't there been a Joan Huffman bill that has now passed the Senate that expands the number of options? Didn't something just happen on this? Am I? Yeah, there's some stuff in motion. Right. There's, you know, they've got they've got some room to do right. this, but you're either going to have but that's not going to hold off. Well, you're either going to have a new voter ID bill that has more options, courts. or you're not going to have voter ID. Yeah. Well, but it's stuff. It's like it's like the old utility bill, apartment lease. Right. I think those are things right. that are now part. You just of the have to know that options. it's going to meet the court's desires. Student IDs, so things like that. Right. Yeah. All right, that's all the time we have. If you Bobby have questions, is, or... me, Bobby is kind of like the flat Stanley of this podcast, doesn't he? 
Maybe he should come over and we can all hold him. Is that a pro or a con? <laughs> what? I said, is that a pro or a con? I don't know if it is. Uh, if you have questions or comments, <laughs> Sorry, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Uh, if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. And on behalf of Evan, Ross, Patrick, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking, baby. Texas talking. Oh, you know, dicking around on the guitar is a great American tradition. That's fine. I mean.